Anything is Potable is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. To get in the door at the lowest price possible in the best seats possible, check out GameTime. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Holy applause. <laughs> What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Anything Is Potable podcast. I'm Jay King from The Athletic, here with Sam Jam Packard, the GOAT, also from The Athletic. I don't know why I started calling you the GOAT, Sam, but it's just... It fits, though. Kind of stuck on. Yeah, it fits, I guess. Today, we're, we've got a little special podcast for you. A little different podcast than normal. We've got the Celtics All-Decade team coming to you. Basically, this includes all players from... The 2009-2010 team through, I guess, all, everything that's happened this season. Can we? Yeah, per- I yeah. mean, we're really we're we're really short uh, changing anything that happens in the next month because uh, some guys could really make an impact. But um, we're doing this for all decade week, and so it's we we had to get it in early. But you know, th- these ratings could change if someone does something crazy in the next uh, two weeks. These ratings could change. We've got five starters, seven bench players on this theoretical roster. Well, we have to do a full bench? Got to do a full bench. Oh, yeah. Seven bench players. That's where it's going to really get juicy, let me tell you. When we start debating the merits of Brandon Bass versus whoever else, that's when when the good stuff's going to come out. At the end of this podcast, we'll also have some discussion on Kemba Walker, who is in much better shape than anyone probably would have thought watching the collision with teammate Shemi Ojale. So very, very good news for the Celtics that Kemba is doubtful and may even play against the Kings. But we'll end this podcast with talk about that. For now, we're going to get into it with... Do we start with the bench? No, no. We got to start with this. We got to start with this. Right, but are they going to... Because how are we going to know who's left to be on the bench? Because like if someone yeah, ends up true. second You're as right. a starter. All right, then let's start with the most debatable position. Let's start with starting point guard. The options. I, think it, I don't think it's. I don't think it's that debatable. But give me the. Give us the options. The options to me: Rajon Rondo, Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie Irving. Those are the three options. So. I think you got to go with who had the best year or who was at their peak or kind of like what, who is the, I don't know. It's, it's, it's difficult criteria because it's like, are you building a team to play a, like a hypothetical game against, I don't know, like the Lakers all 2000 team or are you just like picking the best moment? To me, it's Isaiah. Isaiah Thomas had one of the most inc- insane offensive seasons uh, I've ever seen. Averaging damn near 30 points a game. He was very close to being an MVP. I think in the closest competition, you would have like 2012, uh, that era, Rajon Rondo, where he's going up against um, 
LeBron in the Heat, but I just uh, so you were taking guys in their peak. I think so. I just like no, I, see, I feel like I got. I think you got to take that season. I think you got to take into account everything a guy did during. No, the because that longevity well, matters then, too. Ra- but, but then you're just going to give Rajon Rondo and everyone on the 2008 Celtics way more credit than they deserve because they won a championship in 2008. Oh no, no, oh no, longevity in the 2010s. So, so Rajon Rondo had what? He had three good seasons. Do you want to know what he, he did? Was a total asshole. Do you want to know what he did during the 2010s? He was he was damn good for 2010, he made 2011, four 2012. Teams, three all defensive teams, including two all defensive first teams, and an all NBA third team, all in the 2010s. And he almost was he was might have been the Finals MVP in 2010 if the Celtics had won it. He, during that playoff run, was spectacular. Had the 29-point, 18-assist, 13-rebound game against the Cavs. I think Rondo is probably underrated by you because of you're remembering him at the end versus how damn good he was at the beginning of the decade. That is a fair point. I uh, concede all of the very impressive t- statistics to you uh, and awards and accolades. I got to be honest, to the to the listener gods out there, uh, I was peak college in 2010, 2011, 2012. So my memory of the team is a little, uh, little hazy compared to when I actually started covering the team full time around 2016 and on, or 2014, 15 there. So, Do you know what the you know top what, four t- assists per game totals in Celtics history are? I don't, but I feel like you might know. Rajon Rondo, the first four seasons of this decade. That's it. Just Rajon Rondo, Rajon Rondo, Rajon Rondo, Rajon Rondo. You know what, Jay? I'm, I uh, don't normally admit when I'm wrong, but uh, so, it feels like you've won the argument. So here's the thing, though. I do think... Isaiah did have a damn, like, one of the best offensive seasons I've seen from a point guard. And one uh, of the best offensive seasons in Celtics franchise history. What he did during that run... And to top it all off with the playoff run that he had after his sister passed away and with a damaged hip and with... As the best player on the team, by the way, like Rajon Rondo, he was damn good, but he also was playing with three Hall of Famers. Yeah, and they're totally different players, right? Like Isaiah was going to go get you close to 30 every single night, maybe more than 30. Was not going to be defensive, not going to be on all defense to be. Yeah, he wasn't going to make any all defensive teams. That's for goddamn sure. Um but offensively, he was just ridiculous. And you could argue that one season he had was the best Celtic season of the decade. Because, I mean, what would the other options be? Probably Paul Pierce in 2010-ish? Yeah, it's hard to find an individual season just because or those the next earlier year. ones are seen. Paul Pierce in 2010-2011 yeah. was really damn good. Like, he was still... Near his peak in those years. Kevin Garnett was... He wasn't at all washed when he was still with the Celtics this decade. But he wasn't peak Garnett either after after that injury in 2009. Um, Al Horford wasn't at that level. Like I don't think Rondo ever had a season like that. So you could argue that was the best Celtics season of the decade. And certainly... If it wasn't the most memorable, it's way up there among the most memorable with everything Isaiah did that season with the ridiculousness of his playoff run and just the storylines of it and the heart he showed and the 
the ability to kind of play through tragedy and just play through injury and play through whatever the hell else came his way. So Isaiah's was like that one year, I think he would have been it. But Rondo for me, just he had four years where he was. Yeah, no, if you're if you're going longevity, I think it has to be Rondo because Isaiah had that one amazing season and then another, I'd say, pretty good season. But that team was kind of just over uh, and just overperforming, got like basically destroyed. With yeah, he, so, he was an all star that year, but like he wasn't wasn't all NBA. But the one year Isaiah had was was special. It really was. But how much do you credit Isaiah for getting Al Horford, who got them Gordon Hayward, who got them Kyrie Irving, who got them Kemba Walker? You know, it's uh, how much do you, I, I, I realized how dumb that point was as, as soon as I started saying that. I think the award for best uh, point guard for this decade probably has to go to Rajon Rondo with. Did uh, I really talk you out of it? You got to have principles. You got to stand on for your yourself. Skip Bayless no, I mean, would never do that. I'm he not, never would have backed down. Yeah, that guy's kind of an asshole, though. Stephen um, A. Smith never would have backed down. You presented me with three all-defensive teams with, uh, like, and four-time All-Star, and I was in, uh, I followed your logic. I, I was considering <laughs> it just under one season, and I thought if we were just going to pick like one season, then it had to go to Isaiah. But if you're going uh, total decade contribution, um, you got to go Rondo. Although... Does Rondo get any negative points for uh, his his final seasons after the big three was uh, dissolved? Like, what about Rajon Rondo in 2013-2014? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's certainly fair. I mean, he came back after that injury and didn't give a damn. Even before the injury, maybe didn't give the most dams. But, he was downright surly. But he was... Spinning triple doubles on the best team of this decade, which is the one that almost won it all in 2010. Um, I think we could say it was the best team, but it was also one of the most frustrating teams of the decade because that team was just disgusting over the second half of the season before picking it up again. Yeah, in the that's playoffs. the thing. The second half yeah, of the so season, it, we can't we can't count what they did in 2009. They were pretty much coasting at the 2010. But I mean, that's fair. That's fair. We gotta. But then he had the playoffs, and then he had 2010-11, and 2011-2012. And, 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 the, and the fact that he was pretty much the best player on the Celtics, and maybe I've heard a lot of arguments, and they sound pretty cromulent to me about being the best player in the series uh, until Game 6 against LeBron uh, in that 2012. Like, he was damn good then and was definitely the best player on the Celtics and to kind of to go toe-to-toe with LeBron at that point. Like, I think he reached peaks that probably... Isaiah, I don't know. Isaiah's hip was definitely messed up by the time the Celtics got to the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, and so and he didn't even play. So it's tough to know. But I don't yeah. know. I and, think and we haven't even have talked about Kyrie. Kyrie did nah. Kyrie was very efficient. Nah. Kyrie was uh, very talented. He was hurt for one playoff run, and he gave up in the second playoff run. Like he's not in this conversation. He's very very good at basketball, but he's not an all time, all decade Celtic. That's insane. That's poppycock. Yeah, poppycock, poppycock. <laughs> I mean, it's. I, I don't I mean, think there's any other way to describe it. Kyrie, yeah, I mean, he won one playoff series with the Celtics. When you really think about it, uh, you destroyed that Indiana team. <laughs> poppycock, but yeah, but I, I think th- I mean this was by far the toughest decision 
among the starters was between Rondo and Isaiah Thomas to me. Because Rondo, like, he has a lot of highs, a lot of lows. Isaiah had maybe the highest high of any Celtic in the decade. Um, But to me, he just didn't do it as long. And his impact wasn't at the highest level like Rondo's was. Like Rondo, like you said, he had series, like the 2010 series against Cleveland. There were several games he outplayed LeBron. That that counts for something to me. And maybe Isaiah would have done the same thing, but he never got that opportunity. So I'm going with Rondo here. I'm going with Rondo, if only for the elbow game. That's fair. No, you. I mean, I'm. I I appreciate the argument you made, and I think you uh you have won. I'll I'll tip my hat to you and Rajon Rondo. Shooting guard got to be Ray Allen, right? Yeah, I like. I'm trying to think who else would be in the mix. Like, who's the next best shooting guard on the Celtics? Because once you get like, there's two very like distinct eras. There are three very distinct. There's the the big three era, the middle terribleness, and then kind of Isaiah until now and I just can't think of like Avery Bradley definitely not on Ray Allen's level uh Marcus Smart I don't think really counts as a shooting guard but maybe he would be I guess an honorable mention at this position but I don't know it just doesn't feel like there's anyone who's anywhere close to what Ray Allen did uh, yeah Ray Allen starting on the team I mean obviously he left in a way that still Celtics fans don't love but before that, he was a sharpshooter, and he was really damn good. In 2010, he had, uh, or 2010-11, he had one of his most efficient seasons. 16.5 points per game, 61.5% true shooting. He also set the Celtics single-season three-point shooting percentage this decade and broke it the following season. So... Here's the thing about Ray, though. He gets the end of 2010, that season, then the next season, 2010-2011, not on the Celtics anymore. No, he, he played 2011-2012, but he, he was injured, but still. He was injured. He only played 46 games. Still. I think it's he, just he was, like, if anyone made like any like great impact at shooting guard like after that, I think they might give him a run. Yeah, I mean, who are the closest? Like, you just you just can't give it to Avery Bradley. Like it Avery just, Bradley, Marcus Smart, and Jalen Brown. Like, are those the other three options? Yeah, and I just I just I can't think of anyone else, and I just don't think it's right. I'm ready to give it to any of those guys. It's right. I think Marcus Smart will definitely come up when we talk about maybe a sixth man, but I don't think we can give him starting shooting guard over Hall of Famer Ray Allen, who is just still one of the best shooters in the league at the time. Small forward. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about this one. Do we like so like? Is there any point in talking about uh, small forward and power forward right Marquise now? Marquise Daniels. Just, now he he's the other guy. He's the also honorable mention. <laughs> no, small forward Paul Pierce. Obviously, obviously. Um, yes, it's a thousand percent. I would argue he's probably the best Celtic of this decade. I would say so when you put everything together, yeah. Although you kind of got me, you kind of got me high off that Rajon Rondo statistics. Yeah, but, but like you like said, Rondo had well. the lows too, and Pierce like Pierce didn't have. Pierce those. had the benefit of being traded out of town when he was no longer uh, cared. But he he still cared. 
Yeah, I mean, he was out there in Washington a couple years he after. He called game. And he was out there calling game. So, I mean, Paul Pierce, there's there's not much reason to discuss this. It's just All right, Paul well, Pierce. well, who's... Yeah, it's it's the truth. But who's who's number two then? Do you think Jason Tatum has... We'll, we'll, uh, we'll discuss the, the bench later, bro. No, we got to mention at least on all who came in second. We'll discuss the bench later, bro. Okay, what about Greg Monroe? What is it? Where does he fit in this? Nowhere. Sorry, I just, I'm just looking at basketball reference, and I'm looking at all the rosters, and I saw Greg Monroe. It was all a right, fun yeah. Blast from the Power forward, Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett, easy. That's uh pretty easy. Pretty good. Anything is potable, you know? It feels pretty, pretty obvious. I don't know if you might want to put Jonas Jerebko up there. Um, Gerald Wallace could get some talk, but I think when it comes down to it, you go with the big ticket. Yep. Got to go with Kevin Garnett. Obviously, he wasn't at his best this decade, um, but he was still damn good. Celtics defense never ranked worse than seventh with Garnett involved. Which is pretty impressive, and even even when he was late in his career, like he just killed on off numbers because he was really damn good at everything that matters, but people don't always recognize. So I'm still I'm still having an issue with the fact that like Garnett and Pierce left in 2013, where they're like they're only there for three years. Same with all like we basically just did the big three. Are we giving them too much credit? No, here's the for thing though: first three years, nobody else stayed around that much better. Nobody else was around more than like three years. Al Horford had a pretty da- solid. Danny three years. Ainge has traded freaking everybody. That's the thing is that like so there's not that many people. There's so many newcomers at the team that's now and those middle years from like fourteen, fifteen, sixteen was just a hodgepodge of random guys who Brad Stevens tried to throw together to hustle enough and to make some wins. But yeah, you're right. It's pretty much there's no there's not a lot of staying power. Yeah, I mean, so, so you say three years, but like three years is a lot for the Celtics this, this decade. When you really look at it, like hardly ever anybody has stayed in Boston for more than three years. It's crazy. And so I think that's why that's uh, Garnett's clearly the power forward. I think that's clearly why I'm I'm going with Al Horford at center. Yeah, got to go with uh, Al Horford at center. And he's only yeah, a center because the, Kevin Garnett did not want to play center. Exactly. And, and the game neither did Al Horford, but Kevin over, Garnett's winning that fight. Yeah. And the game evolved over the, the decade to make it so Al Horford went from playing power forward to center. He's clearly a better player than uh, Perkins, and there's just no other centers out there. I can't uh, – sorry to Greg Monroe um, for even bringing his name up and getting his hopes up, but Joel Anthony, no. Kelly Olenek had a good run and had a hell of a game seven uh, against the Wizards, but – his positional defense and movements like a new gazelle uh, won't won't beat Al Horford in this regard. Yeah. I mean, so obviously this is just a stupid fake team. But the Garnett-Horford frontcourt would have played some ridiculous oh defense. Oh, my. It would have been the best defensive team ever. It would have been the history foolish. of defense. It would have been foolish if those two guys had played together. And it, it, they would have been such a great duo because Horford would have been sitting there just all cool and calm, flexing every once in a while. And Garnett would be there just losing his shit after Screaming. every single thing that's going on. It could have gone really well, but it could also just like could have gone poorly. I can imagine just Kevin Garnett being very upset with 
Al Horford not showing any emotion. Although Horford did get some piss, uh, some fist bumps in there, so I don't. He was a flexer. I, I think it could. He did flex when he got uh, intense. I don't know. They, it could have been a culture clash, but I agree. Would have been a fun front court. And so much good passing in that front court. Oh man, it would have been would have been some beautiful basketball on both ends. Beautiful basketball on both ends. All right, let's go to the bench. So we okay, are. So how are we doing this? Are we just doing the rest of the players, or is it their effectiveness as bench players? No, I mean they're just the rest of the players. They're, all the guys on the bench were starters during their time during Celtics. Like we're not just picking bench players for the bench. Well, we could like I don't know. What if like what if I really wanted uh, Gigi Detome off there? That guy had bench energy. I mean, you could certainly have Gigi Detome. Although, <laughs> did you see the clip recently with his coach just cussing him out in a timeout? Yeah, <laughs> it was so mean. <laughs> it was it was one of the most absurd timeout huddles I've ever seen. What did he say? Fuck you, Gigi Detome. He pretty. I think so. I think that is the. Direct I think quote. that might be the direct quote. He's like, "Fuck all you guys, and fuck you, Gigi Detome. You should be ashamed <laughs> of yourself." Like nobody talks to Gigi like that. Don't don't talk to Gigi okay, that way. Gigi didn't seem that upset. Gigi's a beloved Gigi, man. He knew what he did, though. Yeah, he deserved that. His team wasn't playing well. That was electric. So I think we got to go with obviously Isaiah's on the bench. He was our toughest toughest guy to leave out of the starting five. Kyrie is on the bench because he was really damn good during his time in Boston, even if he's maybe now one of, not maybe, he is probably most definitely, whatever word you want to use there, one of the most hated players in Celtics history. Yeah, there there are T-shirts that are sold outside the garden that uh, read "Kyrie is a bitch," um, so that is a thing. All right, and so I don't know if he's for sure on the team yet. I think there you could, in terms of talent and production, he's definitely there. But I don't know. I'm not ready to uh, to lock him in. I think we can go. We can try and talk with some other guys. I think he's probably on the team, but I'd like to try and at least not have him be on the team, if that's fair. I, I guess. I, I think guess. we got to put Marcus Smart on the team. He's literally the heart and soul. We're talking about longevity. He's the longest serving member of the Celtics. Uh, I love him. I trust him. He's been now made all defensive team. He shoots 38% from three. Uh, he's fantastic. He's on the team. I don't care for debates. Uh, we can move on. Yeah, no, Marcus Smart, I think, definitely deserves to be on this team. He uh, His career has been funny because he was quite literally one of the five or so worst high-volume three-point shooters in NBA history for the first three years of his career, maybe four. Um, and even then, he was helpful on the court. And so now that he's become a... A pretty good shooter. He's even more helpful, and he's obviously better at everything else because he works on his game. But he's been in Boston for five seasons now, and that at this stage of the roster matters a lot because honestly, it's it really is incredible how how quickly the roster was overturned this decade. And when you look at guys, it's like yeah, he was there for three years. Well, three years is a lot. And so smart playing 
five plus seasons now, right? This is sixth season, I think. Yes, sixth season. So his, his rookie year is twenty fourteen fifteen. So this is uh, yeah six one two three four five six. I yeah. like how you had to count that. Yeah, so being in in his sixth season in Boston that matters, and his teams have reached the playoffs every year of his career, and he's been to the Eastern Conference Finals twice, and he's been a key part of every single team that he's been on. So yeah, Marcus Smart makes it. Um, after him i guess i think avery bradley would you put avery bradley yeah, for, on there? yeah i think he definitely is in the discussion he's been there for like a the longest time he's kind of the one guy that that connects the two eras uh he's a very solid player one of the, at, at points was probably like one of the best perimeter defenders in the league i just remember games where marcus smart and him going up against like steph and uh clay were the most electric games of those Celtics years just because they were the seemingly the only team that could slow down those Warriors. I don't know. I think, I think Avery Bradley's a very solid contributor. He had uh, decent years here. He's never great, uh, but steadily improved as a shooter and was definitely like a, a solid contributor to the late end of the, um, the big three. And then was kind of like the, the second guy uh, on the Isaiah teams, which was, Kind of insane that those teams like made the playoffs. I know they got trounced by the Cavs and then by the uh, the Hawks that year, but he's just a, he's a solid. They made the Eastern Conference defender. Finals with him as I guess he was the third third leading scorer. He might have been second leading scorer. I think he probably scored more than Horford that year. So yeah, Avery Bradley. I, I mean, he's not a, certainly not a perfect player. Couldn't really. Yeah, 16, 16 points a game that year, shooting thirty nine percent from three. All right, yeah. yeah. Could, Only played fifty five games, but he, man, that's that's him at his peak. Yeah, he couldn't be a. Uh, obviously, wasn't a distributor. Obviously, wasn't a playmaker for others. Obviously, there's some debate about how useful his pressure defense actually was. Um, but when he was in Boston, like. He was always a part of good teams. He was always a crucial part of good teams. And it felt like, I don't know. I just think Avery Bradley deserves to be on the team. That's fair. All right, we need some backup wings, backup forwards. Yeah, I and mean, backup Jaylen bigs. Brown or Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown's been here for three seasons. Is that <laughs> enough? Is Jason Tatum working on two and a half right now? Two, one really good season, one all right season. Does that do enough to make it play? Are there any people I'm forgetting who are like solid, who are better than that? Or like, I don't know, Jeff Green's doesn't really count. Jeff Green. Evan Turner had a solid uh, year and a half. Yeah. So, I don't think he's better than Jalen Brown right now. So to me, like, okay, we've got all guards on the bench right now. And we need wings, maybe big men. There are no big men. Like there, Lily Kelly Olynyk is probably the next big man off the bench. Brandon Bass is up there, the lord of the two-handed dunk. Like he really was, Brandon Bass. Like he was just dependable for. I would take more years. I would years take Kelly Olynyk over Brandon Bass um, any day of the week. Kelly Olynyk could stretch the floor. Aaron Kelly Baines. Olynyk for his game seven. What alone. about Aaron Baines? How many years? What Aaron Baines has two seasons of just getting dunked on and. Hitting the hog. I mean, I still take Kelly Olynyk. I think in terms of offensive prowess, Aaron Baines is a damn good defender. But I still, 
maybe it's because Kelly did like spent his entire rookie contract and got a little bit better at shooting. I I, I always appreciate the uh, stretching the floor, but I don't know the the big is big depth is not great. Yeah, I mean you look at this decade of bigs for what about, the Celtics. What about Mook? I mean, if you're gonna put Baines on there, what about Mook? You 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 look at this decade of big men for the Celtics. It it's been a, a as you said before a hodgepodge. Just a hodgepodge. Kendrick Perkins got injured in 2010. He only played 12 games for the Celtics after the ACL tear in the finals that year. So he can't be on it. The Celtics have started Tyler Zeller on a playoff team. They've started Jared Solinger on a playoff team. They've started Kelly Olenek on a playoff team. Did Kelly start? I don't even remember. I think sometimes, maybe. Um... I think before Al Horford, he probably started in that. They started game. Vitor on opening night one year. Vitor Favarani. I recently Googled if Vitor is still alive, and he is. Um, he no used, longer playing professional basketball. Though. He he used to sit there in front of his locker and just drink coffee before a game. And I don't know why it cracked me up, but it did. <laughs> and other players have done it, but for some reason when Vitor did it, it just it just made me chuckle. Um, but I think like Brandon Bass, Amir Johnson. Oh, the big dog. Amir the Johnson. Big dog had some solid Another seasons. guy who had good impact. But like these are the options we're working with. Marcus Morris, like you said, like before, if he had kept shooting as well as he did at the in the first half of last year, during the second half of last year, he might have made this team. He might have. Oh, I mean, we we got a we got uh four spots left. We got to pick someone. I believe we have three spots left. I'm not ready to to seal the deal on Kyrie yet, but so we have four spots left. But sure, three spots. Even even so, we still need. I'm saying no to all the bigs. All, all I would agree with you. I, none of zero none of them, them are good. Zero of them. You know who's I would my put big? Jalen Brown. You know who's my who's your big? My backup big, Jay Crowder. Oh, you? I'm for it. Jay I, Crowder. He came in and immediately made an impact, and it was he was just part of a bit trade, and that we were talking about that year with like Avery Bradley, but Jay Crowder was basically the uh, brought a lot of de- defensive intensity, brought the switchability that the Celtics uh, and Brad Stevens love. Um, he was great. He I was the best he, player uh, in the Rondo his, trade uh, at the time. Yeah, absolutely, and he was a major reason why that. Uh, 2016-2017 was able to like do anything in the playoffs. He brought intensity. He was not the best three-point shooter, but he was decent enough. He actually shot 40% that year, 2016-2017. Just a very solid uh You know what his true shooting percentage was that year? Uh I bet we're both on basketball reference. 61.5. 61.5. That is studly. That is studly is what that is. And he could guard multiple positions. Stevens, like when Crowder first got traded to the Celtics, Stevens was like, yeah, let me throw Jay at, at small ball power forward. It was kind of the first time the Celtics had played small ball under Stevens, as I recall. He's the, ex- he's the exact guy that Brad like just really enjoys, and it's no wonder that like basically the roster is now uh, big guys who can guard multiple positions and sometimes knock down threes. Yeah, like, and, he's the and, perfect Brad Stevens player. And Crowder hasn't always been able to shoot, but when he could shoot, he was very helpful. That one year when he shot about 40%, he was very helpful. That was the 2016-17 season. That was the season where the Celtics went to the Eastern Conference Finals. 
he helped guide the turnaround. And obviously he wasn't the most important part, but he was critical. His versatility was critical to the Celtics kind of beginning to to gain their footing in the Eastern Conference. And so I'm going with Crowder. I think he deserves now, it. Now, are you putting – I'm, I'm with you on Crowder, but I'm looking at his page right now. He played basically two and a half years for the Celtics. Yep. Is his two and a half years better than the three and change Jalen Brown's put together already? Nope. However, <laughs> however, Stephen A. Smith voice, however, Jalen Brown's on the team too, bro. I know. That's well. That was a good transition point. Gotta be. Gotta be. I mean, you think about him and Tatum. And I'm, I'm throwing Tatum. We'll, we'll, we'll just throw Tatum into the discussion right now. He's on it too. And obviously they've had some ups and downs. Obviously last season did not go as well as either of them wanted. They were still pretty good. And for their for beating the Sixers alone in that like playoff run two years ago without Kyrie, I think like they have to be on there. They were the two top scorers on a team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they've had each good years other than that. And so I I I, they have to be on the team, and there's not much there's not much competition, which also helps. Definitely helps. Yeah, no, I think they think you're fair. So the six that we absolutely agree on are Isaiah Thomas, Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Jay Crowder. Seventh, you want to go with Kyrie Irving. Personally, I'd like to go with Kelly Olynyk, but um, if I can't really make a good argument as for why. Um, but Kyrie completely giving up last Your argument should, should include two words. Game seven. Game In terms of winning playoff series, Kelly Olenek has done more for the Celtics uh, this decade than Kyrie Irving has. That's uh, still debatable, probably. Kyrie, what? Kyrie, Kyrie, Kelly Olenek contributed to game seven, basically won that Wizards series, and then was part of the team... Uh, that went to the, uh, I don't know, now I'm thinking about they it. They went Kelly to the Eastern Lake Conference Finals. That year, because, because of him, um, then they got their beat by the, uh, I don't know, Kelly Olenek. I'm trying to remember how like important Kelly Olenek was getting to that first, uh, was against the Bulls. I mean, Kelly Olenek was a good player. Gerald, he was a good player for the Gerald, Celtics. Ger- Gerald Green was pretty important, you know. Um, he was. He, he helped win the Chicago series. It's basically how much do you weigh Kelly Olynyk's Game 7 performance against the Wizards versus Kyrie Irving's uh, one-half season of injury and then one season where he was a huge distraction, played very, very good basketball, uh, but gave up in March when she decided he was going to Brooklyn. Like... I think you have to detract from Kyrie Irving basically tanking an entire year and taking the team with him. Like that, no matter how good he was in that Pacers series, he was then hurt for the run where they went to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals and then uh, basically single-handedly, no, it's not single-handedly, this is a big Danny Ainge point that Kyrie gets a lot of blame in for the whole team, but he certainly didn't help with any okay. of his actions. And so, okay. so you say, I'm going to go with Kelly Olenek. You this say he tore down team. the team, right? I do say that. Oh, okay. So, counterpoint. He was the best player on a team that got the two seed and he got injured before the playoffs. Is that correct? 
Correct. He was the best player on this team that you say crumbled, and it did. I believe losing four games in a row to the Bucks and having your best player uh, where it's pretty well known that he's but, leaving and has checked out mentally is more detrimental to the team than him playing well and getting you the three seed. But what would the Celtics have done if Kelly Olenek was their best player? It wouldn't have been good. It would have been, uh, in fact, bad. Yeah. But if I'm looking at a roster composition right now, I already have many guards, and I don't need uh, Kyrie Irving on my squad. I need some positional defense and some shooting off the bench, and I need a guy who's going to bring the locker room together, a guy from Kamloops, British Columbia, Canada. <laughs> I'm going to need some Kelly Olenek. And a guy who wears, wears snapbacks for... For front, you know? So, yeah, you've yeah, got I Kelly Linick. I got Kyrie Irving. We'll agree to disagree. Head coach. Head coach is a tough one. Head I'm, coach I'm is a tough so, one. You go, it's like championships versus like outperforming. Oh, there is no championship this decade. That is a very good point. There is no championship. So, we this have decade. Doc. We have Doc losing to the Lakers. So, we have Doc who was trying to keep a contender. In like the stubborn, we can do this phase. And then Stevens, who is trying to flip the entire franchise and rebuild a contender. How much credit do do you give Brad for basically making the playoffs with some teams that just really didn't deserve to make it? Like that team, they were 40 and 42. A lot of credit. But... Same time, how he dragged some teams to the playoffs. How like, much credit do you right. give Doc Rivers for the 2011-12 team, which had Ray Allen get injured, which had Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce just a little older, um, which had Avery Bradley, who was still super wrong, super young, starting in his second year, which had a bench of like, um. Mikhail Petras, Keon Dueling, and some other bros. Steamsma. Steamsma. Marquise Daniel. And they almost, like that team legitimately almost won an NBA championship. Yeah, but that team still had some star players. And like, eventually it comes down to talent winning out. Like, I, I think that, yes, he did a damn good coaching job with, but he still had 60 games of Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. Uh, and they basically, they came together at the end. I mean, Brad Stevens took a team, uh, to the playoffs that was had, who's their, who's their best player on, on the 2014, 2015, you had Jeff Green was your, probably your star heading into that year. If you look at minutes played, it was Jeff Green. I only played 33 games, but still that was Avery Bradley, Evan Turner, Jared Sullinger, Marcus Smart, Isaiah Thomas, Tayshawn Prince was the huge guy on that team. Tyler Zeller started 59 games for that team, and they still somehow made the playoffs. Again, it's like a terrible Avery Bradley year. Not terrible. Did but, you, you say know, Tayshawn Prince was really... the huge guy? I mean, uh, in terms of uh, uh, in what Brad thought he brought to the team. He was in Boston for like three weeks. I know, but Brad won't stop talking about it. That is true. Brad is a, a huge <laughs> Tayshawn Prince guy. loved Tayshawn Prince's impact in his nine games. Big Tayshawn Prince guy. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Brad on this one just because Doc gets a lot of credit for winning a championship, but that didn't happen this decade, and I think Brad has uh, 
consistently outperformed expectations except for the one year where he had expectations where he woefully underperformed. So that's, still won a that's lot the of thing. Games. It's like, do you, who do you ding more? Stevens for the failure to win games last year or Doc for the failure to win games in 2010? Cause, and then they reached the NBA Finals and got to Game 7 that year. Um, so the reason I went with Doc is because I think the resumes are like stunningly similar. Um, I think Doc, obviously the, the teams that they coached were in very different stages, but like Doc had that team in 2012, which I think exceeded expectations. And he had the team in 2010, which failed to exceed expectations. And Brad has had a number of teams that exceeded, but last year was just rough. And so I, I think they had very similar resumes. You could go with Stevens for longevity, but I went with with Doc just because he went further. He got to Game 7 in 2010. That 2012 Celtics team was a LeBron explosion away from, I think, probably winning an NBA title. Like, the Thunder made it to the championship that or to the finals that year. And the Celtics, I think they were just way too experienced for that Thunder team at that time. And I think they probably won a, won a title if they had just avoided LeBron morphing into what he's become overnight. If he didn't have that ridiculous game six, then that team wins a title. So to me, like Doc, Doc just gets this because his best teams went further. And I don't, I don't think that's necessarily fair to Stevens. I think the the biggest point of this discussion is that the Celtics have been in very good hands coaching wise for this entire decade, and it's it's wild that of all the overhaul that happened elsewhere, like they've only had two coaches in an NBA where teams are just firing guys left and right. Yeah, no, I, I they're clearly it's kind of wild that they've only had two over the entire decade. If you just look at like what the Knicks have done or any other. Uh, franchise that's just been in had some sort of turmoil or some sort of turnover I think I give Brad more credit because recency bias I've just like no more familiar with what he's done in his contributions but also I think that the earlier Celtics teams had much more talent on them and so how much credit do you give Doc Rivers for uh, 2010 when they have like uh, the big three plus Rondo, and then you have, as we described, Rajon Rondo playing out of his mind in 2012. Like, Doc Rivers also coached the team in 2013 that lost to the Knicks in the first round and basically had a bunch of talent uh, and really couldn't put it together. So, I think I give a lot of credit to Brad for dragging teams to the playoffs, even though they did lose teams that just didn't have a lot of talent. I think that's evidence of, like, the coaching and, like, putting things together and taking less and doing more with it, where you could say... Doc Rivers had a lot more talent and wasn't able to do as much. Uh, yeah, but I mean, so it, it might be this, it might be like this. Doc Rivers was better for coaching the Celtics when he had them. And Brad Stevens was better for the phase that he had. Like Doc with talent was great. Like he knew how to get the best of those guys. Um, Knew how to manage personalities. Knew how to manage personalities. Something I think we need. I think Brad is 
still working on as evidenced by last year. And Kyrie's an interesting personality, but you know, expectations. Uh, I think I think Brad loves the fact that the note like there were lesser expectations this year, and it makes the the team that much better. But I don't know. Doc Rivers certainly had to deal with expectations in 2009 and 2010, and was able to kind of, even though the team effort we talked about them just like not really trying down the end of that season they did turn it on for the playoffs and did like get to the finals and uh almost got to the finals in 2012 so you're right different different strokes for different folks they both have done well but i'm going with brad because uh he's he's what i know you know he's uh and i i appreciate doing less with more because that's you know what i'm constantly doing doing more with less uh oh fuck <laughs> You just—I like that you just said you that's were constantly doing phone. less with more. Oh, that was glorious. Yeah, that's a that's a pickle, man. I really just walked myself into Sam that. Jam Packard constantly doing less with more. <laughs> constantly underperforming, <laughs> not living up to expectations. Yeah, so that that was a tough one. That's a tough one. Starting point guard, tough one. End of the bench, kind of tough. I honestly think like you could make a case for. Maybe Brandon Bass? I don't know. The, 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 it's crazy that how few bigs outside of Kevin Garnett and Al Horford the Celtics have had. Although, Baines was good. Baines was legit. Amir Johnson was pretty legit for a little while until he fell off a little bit. Uh, so, it wasn't like they had, like, nobody. Sullinger had, honestly, like, man, it was a double-double. Man, it was a double-double. Um, but, yeah, not a, not a lot of... Great bigs down the end of the the bench for the all-decade team. Let's talk about Kemba a little bit because we said we would. I am shocked that he might play Monday night. Just shocked. It's it's insane. Like the what they say the injury is with what like was observed on the court in Denver just doesn't seem to add up. And I know it like I'm as we just proved, I'm not a medical doctor of any sort. I'm not a clearly competent while speaking, but it's just like from what occurred on the court uh, Friday night from then, like what we're hearing that he might play against the Kings just doesn't connect to me. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And I, obviously the Celtics are very fortunate that it wasn't worse. They are very fortunate. Kemba appears to have avoided a concussion. He appears to have avoided any serious neck injury. Um, and he just has his brain neck, which is what great. does that even mean? That doesn't sound good. He shouldn't be. He should be ruled out. But Brad, like, Brad was insane. like, "Yeah, the reason he's doubtful is just because we want to be cautious. He could probably play through this pain." Like, kind of crazy. It, it's kind of insane, and like I don't. I think this is an example where like playing with Marcus Smart is not. Uh, like Marcus Smart does not set a good example for Kemba because it feels like Marcus Smart was banged up that entire road trip and just like kept on going out there and playing his ass off and playing and like just making insane plays and like Kemba you don't you don't have to do that like take a few days off that season doesn't even start till Christmas like chill out man yeah but I, for this obviously they're very fortunate Kemba Walker is very fortunate this could have been a lot worse there are when you see a guy go down like that, you worry about more than basketball. Um, the Celtics, like, without Kemba and without Gordon Hayward, it would have been a tough time. So, as a team, um, 
they need, I think, at least one of those guys to play even remotely close to their best basketball. Obviously, their best basketball will come with both those guys healthy. But they would have been down a lot of playmaking if Kemba had missed extended time next to Hayward. So good for them that he won't have to miss much time, if any. I'm kind of looking forward to the Tremont Waters experience. If he He's play- a playmaker. I'm I'm expecting him to get at least ten minutes. I don't know why I said that, but it just like I would like it to happen. Because they don't have a lot behind Brad Wanamaker and Marcus Smart, especially with Hayward on the bench, they don't have a lot of like playmaking and, and ball handlers and so and Brad said he's very confident in putting Traymond in the game and he showed some things in the preseason. And so I don't know. I, I, I'm excited to see what he can do because I was very impressed with this kind of his his general vision and playmaking in preseason and uh, his ability to just like get stuff done. So yeah, I'm I'm maybe. in for the Trey Waters experience. Uh, F Kemba, the only way he's going to play according to Brad Stevens is if Kemba misses a game. So we'll see. We'll see if if Waters plays. We'll see if Walker plays. We'll see a lot of things this this week. Kyrie not playing. That is one thing we'll not see. Shoulder impingement for the star. So, unfortunate because that would have been, I think, a wild, wild crowd. The night before Thanksgiving, Kyrie coming back, maybe the most hated man in how many years in Boston? Is he more hated than Ray Allen? Oh, yeah. I've never seen a Ray Allen is a do shirt or Ray Allen is a bitch shirt. And you wanted to put him on your all-decade team. I did put him on my all-decade team, and he deserved it. And you wanted to, too. We could have had some chemistry issues. (laughs) We we, we could have had some chemistry issues, but that's okay. Um, Yeah, so Kyrie will not play in Boston Wednesday night. Shoulders too hurt. The Anything is Potable podcast will play this week. Um, we will have at least one more show later this week. Not exactly sure when it'll be because of Thanksgiving and all that. This little holiday weekend has us a little, our holiday week has us a little flummoxed. I'm very flummoxed. Packard lives flummoxed. He does less with more at all times. Um, all times. But I'm traveling this week. I'm trying to make the push to become a Delta Platinum Medallion member, so it's a pretty important week for me. Good luck. Good luck. It's always a pretty important week for the Anything is Potable podcast. So subscribe to us if you haven't already. And that's it for this episode. Anything is Potable!